the sports stance. Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Stance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always, he's wearing a protective mask while we're podcasting, just in case. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? Uh, you know, you got to keep the nose pretty. You got to keep it. You can't get crooked. If you know the mask get hit, it hurts a little bit. I might tear up a bit, but I got to keep the nose intact. You know, I took a little shot the other day for my dog, and uh, just got to keep it nice and uh, nice and straight. I think that you're just wearing it for my sake. I think you're just protecting me, my eyes from from burning as they do. Because I'm so hot. Yeah, I get it. It's understandable. I don't know how you've handled it this long. You should just wear sunglasses every single time we do this. I actually wouldn't mind wearing sunglasses all the time. Like, I like that idea. For some reason, whenever I wear sunglasses, I can just kind of, like, retreat behind the sunglasses and, and feel like I'm in my own little my own little world, my own little fortress. I don't have to make actual eye contact with anybody. I can do whatever I want. That's absolutely not the case, I realize. But, you know, that's kind of what I like to, you know, imagine. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that you're the person that would want to have the sunglasses on at all times. You're the guy that's in the bar at like two in the morning and you're just like, why, why do you have sunglasses on? You're like, just what? I, you're they're asleep. Not, you, sunglasses. Even, you didn't even realize somebody was talking to you because you were passed out already, but nobody knew because of the sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. I always have more confidence with sunglasses on. Um, I don't know what it is. I, 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 make, I make good eye contact too. I don't understand it, but you know. Nobody I, knows you're making the eye contact though. No, I mean, just in general, but you got a good pair of sunglasses on, you got a good pair of those, like, basically mirror glasses that, you know, cops wear in 70s, uh, 70s cop movies. You know, you're feeling good, the aviators. Yeah, I know, I can see you, if you get a nice stash going, I could see it. I'm actually probably going to do a stash at some point in the near future. So my father had one in the, in the 80s, pretty significant, and I've always wanted to bring it back. I bring it back on special occasions, but, I mean, the girlfriend hates it. Yeah, that's why I do not have facial. The wife does not like it at all. Uh, I If I don't shave for a day, it gets really scruffy and not a fan of it. Yeah, but you can't grow like a beard beard. Oh, no, I could easily. Like a full, full thing? Yeah, I could grow a full beard in like two weeks time. I don't believe you. I shave every day almost. I, 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 I don't believe you. I don't shave. I shave every other day because I have sensitive skin. So if I shaved every day, it'd be just a patch of red. This is the Twitter poll that we actually need. Can Greg grow a beard? And most of you don't even know what he looks like. No. But based on Greg's, based on Greg's voice, can Greg grow a beard? That's a yes. lot of sounds. Yes, he can. Can Greg grow a beard? <laughs> um, we're gonna put oh, that. Right. On. I, forgot. I actually have a Twitter poll that we could discuss too. <laughs> I say I say no. Um, that's gonna be my my stance. I'm gonna put that out internally too to some people that we know and see if can Greg grow a beard. He claims in two weeks' time he can have a full beard. This is just my way of making Mary hate me, but I think that you have to prove it now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I should just like buy like a fake thing and like not talk to you for two weeks and just show up and you'll be like, what? I am. I, I can, it wouldn't I be can like sniff a full, it wouldn't be like our buddies. Away, it could not be like our buddy's beard, like Zach's beard. Like it, that would never happen in two weeks. But like, I, I, I guess what is, but I, I do not believe that a full beard would happen from you. I mean, I, I would definitely have scrub. more than what you have going on. More than what I have going on? I've had a full beard. Yeah, but like what you have on your face right now, in two weeks' time, I would be like much thicker than that. All right, let's see it. I think Part of the reason I don't do it also is I have brown hair, but my beard grows in red. I'm that's a even more of a reason walker. to do it. 
Walker. I don't like it. Well, I think that what the main thing that we've discussed and discovered here uh, is that you need to grow a beard now to prove all the haters wrong. Yeah. You know, podcast care. over. Yeah. See you guys. See you guys in two weeks. Great. Easy. Check out, check out Twitter for daily progress. <laughs> Uh, like, we have a lot to talk about today. Now we go out. People are like, wait, what? Wait, that was really it? Yep. Introductions. Me talking about if I could grow a beard or not. We're done. Uh, yeah. Done. I think that's reasonable. I think that's a good enough podcast. It's like seven minutes long. That's pretty standard. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the NBA, the NFL, college football, all the goings on in sports. We're going to hand out some... Um, some midseason awards in the NFL. We're going to talk about surprising teams in the NBA. We're going to talk turnover chain because we're a sports podcast and we're legally obligated to talk turnover chain. Some of us are. But before we get into any of that, Greg, um, we've already vamped enough, but I will ask you the customary. How you doing? What's going on? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, customary. And I'll keep it short and simple. Don't like the turnover chain, James, because I'm a Notre Dame fan and it hurt. And you took joy in that, I'm pretty sure, on Saturday night. Yeah, big time. But yeah. I will join the cult because my hand is up there. I did take some pretty, some pretty significant joy in that. That was a lot of fun. You did. Uh, you wanted to create a uh, turnover chain cult. We'll get into that a little more. Um, I got very over, over excited about the turnover chain. Here's the thing, and we'll just jump into it without asking me how I am because that's kind of the way I roll. Yeah, well, I don't... you're gonna tell me that you enjoyed some show like Mindhunter again on Netflix, and then we're just gonna move on anyway. So might as well start. Are good, no doubt. I the thing about the thing about this is like okay, so college football. You want so for for the college football to get like the big, you know, the casual fan involved, it needs a couple things. It needs to be more exciting than, you know, the NFL or as close to exciting as the NFL product. I think as of right now, the box is checked there. Uh, it needs to have big named teams or, or and big names or big coaches or something like that involved. Uh, on Saturday night, there was no bigger than Notre Dame and the U. You know, those are right now some of the biggest names in college football. And then I think it needs to have high stakes. And it was the two top 10 teams uh, going at each other. Now, the cherry on top is this turnover chain, which is probably the most exciting thing in sports right now. (laughs) This would be totally honest with you. Yeah, I I know. I'm pulling up your uh, text to me from Saturday night and reading them again. It still it still tingles in a bad way, not a good way. Uh, A lot of capitalization was used. A lot of uh, odd sayings went on, and it hurt, James. That's all I'm going to say. It hurt. Yeah, I don't blame you. I was meant to hurt a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's literally like I, as a non-college football fan, I know about the turnover chain, and I, I turn on a big-time game with the U, and then the first quarter, what, there's four turnover chains? It, it was a lot. For the first I half? I don't really know how many it was. Um, all I know is before I even knew it, because I had to partly switch back and forth, my Saturday night consisted of switching back and forth for a little bit between Hallmark Christmas movies and the game because I was not in my own house. So I was forced to basically wait till commercials to switch over to the game. Uh, I didn't even need that because all I got was text messages from you shouting the you and you talking about forging your own turnover chain out of old Chinese food containers. And that I still kind of want to see if you actually did that. Yeah, that all checks out. I don't totally remember these text messages because it was, again, it was a Saturday night and you, you were know. you were alone, yeah. When the when the girlfriend's away, you uh, go a little nuts. I was having fun, and uh, I was having fun. The turnover chain was out. 
Uh, and I was, uh, I was trying to figure out how to work my scissors uh, when I was texting you guys this, trying to figure this out for the current for the Chinese food containers and didn't work. <laughs> did not work. No. But you did make a very valid point, I will say, about how to figure out college football rankings. What did I say? Which is, you said, I don't know what goes to the ranking number one team, but when you stomp on a number three ranked opponent and then put on an enormously flashy chain for all your turnovers in the first half, you need to be number one. Yeah, I think that's actually an appropriate criteria. I think um, it's actually a pretty valid argument. I sent it into the committee. They did consider it. That's why they didn't give them number one, but they did give them number three. Yeah, I feel like getting number one was probably, especially because they had kind of a cream puff schedule up to this point. But, you Plus know, the first family. time the first time they've been, you know, handed their first opponent, they, they handled them in prime time. Uh, you know, very handedly. So I, you know, I, I think that the U is good for good for college football. You know, uppercase uppercase G, good for college football. Oh, no you know, doubt about it. I think that Alabama has probably at this point gotten to the oversaturation point of like the least fun, you know, kind of dynasty and team right now. It's just it's not it's not fun watching this. You know, yeah, um, nobody likes Alabama. I'm pretty sure there's people in Alabama that hate Alabama. So well, yeah, I mean, everyone who everyone who roots for Auburn, but I mean, there you go. So I, th- I think that the turnover train is awesome. I'm all in. The U, the U's back in a big way. Everyone's saying it. I mean, we have to be – if we're a sports podcast, we have to customarily say the U is back. It's in the contract. I read it in fine print. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to read it, but it's there. And damn, I love the turnover chain. I can't not. I can't deny, James. I love the turnover chain. I know it got used a lot against Notre Dame, but I love it. I mean, Joy. If you don't like the turnover chain, you don't like joy. That's uh, kind of simple as that. Like you said, it's like rooting for the principal in the breakfast club if you don't like the turnover chain. And that is about the most <laughs> accurate thing anybody has ever said about anything. Uh, wow. I was on a roll. You were. <laughs> you, were you were feeling pretty good Saturday night, and you were making some very valid, terrible comments. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. All righty then. Um, so that's right. it for... That's it for college football because um, that's all we're going to get to. Yeah. We checked that box off early. That was at the end of the podcast. We threw it right at the beginning. I know. I know. Big time reversal. The turnover chain does that. It does. Um, yeah. Let's that's... talk about NFL. Um, we had week 10 just wrap up. We're a little bit more than halfway through the season, but we're basically halfway through the season. Uh, a lot of games, a lot of teams have played, you know, nine games. We skipped two weeks. Point. We're halfway through the season. What's that? We skipped two weeks, so we're halfway through the season. Yeah, sure. A lot of teams have played nine games at this point, and that's one game more than halfway through the season. So we're rounding. We're rounding down to halfway through the season. Yeah, that's what we do. We're not good math guys, all right? That's plain and simple. No, not at all. Um, but what we wanted to do was kind of go through and give out some, uh, some midseason awards, uh, talk about teams that we are impressed with, uh, teams were not impressed with, teams were surprised by, uh, teams were not surprised by, uh, and then the big kind of storylines we want to see going forward. So, Greg, uh, why don't you start us off with some uh, awards? Did you have something uh, kind of queued up that you want to give out? Yeah, I mean, basically, we're just going to go through the two main awards, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP. I mean, everybody basically knows at this point, Rookie of the Year most likely for offense is going to be Kareem Hunt. If you can argue somebody else, go for it. It would have been Deshaun Watson, but that terrible, really unfortunate practice ACL tear took any hopes of that away. So most likely it would be Kareem Hunt because, I mean, is there a better offensive rookie that you can think of off the top of your head? 
Um, I didn't think so. You know, it, it's just a, such a shame about Watson. I have no idea. Yeah. So we'll go. We'll start. Watson would be the only. Watson would be the runaway. You know. Yeah. Um, he was going to be in the conversation for MVP if he stayed healthy. Yeah, probably. Which would have been crazy. Honestly, I, I I thought that it was ridiculous when it was floated. You know, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and then he had that followed you know promptly by the ACL tear. Yep. But all right, so we'll start with NFL MVP. Uh, there's really two top choices that you could look at right now. I'm going to go with Carson Wentz because it's my boy. I'm on the Wentz wagon. He's got 23 touchdown, leads the NFL by four. Uh, he's right at the top there in QBR. He's thrown only five interceptions. He's also rushed for 211 yards. Sneaky quick guy. And I think that can't go undervalued. He led his, He's led his team to an eight and one start. They're going to be coming off the bye week this week, playing Sunday night against Cowboys where I still think he's going to dominate as long as he can avoid uh, Lawrence on that front line because Dallas's defense, not intimidating. I'm giving Wentz my MVP, at least at the midseason point, and I think he'll carry it out. Yeah, go figure we're going to, uh, you know, default to our homerism for this section, but I, figured. I think you have to give it to Tom Brady. Just honestly, I mean, with the amount of stuff that he's missing on offense, you know, Julian Edelman is so huge. Chris Hogan's now out. Uh, they're piecing together stuff back, you know, uh, on the offense, on the offensive line. The defense was so horrible at the beginning of the year, and it kind of has sort of started to peter out a little bit. So Wentz has the benefit of having one of the best defenses in the league um, easily, and then a lot of health, and then adding weapons all the time. You know, Ajay is just one of them, but he also has, you know, Garrett Blunt for short yardage situations. Brady yep. lost a ton of his weapons, you know, going into the season. We thought that the ones that they were going to replace them with were going to be, you know, make them historically good, uh, and they haven't panned out. So he has, he's had to rely on guys like Hogan and Amendola uh, to kind of shoulder a load, and they've never done that before, you know, and, they have, and Brady's making them happen. Uh, he's using every single inch of what this roster has been given to him, uh, and he's got the Patriots with a with 7-2 and two record right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't argue really against Brady. I can't argue against Wentz. Really, it's those two. It's just kind of whoever has the bigger push towards the end. If the Eagles keep up what they're doing, it'll go to Wentz by default for the fact of people like to see somebody new, different. I mean, there was a stretch that you could have given literally Brady and Manning the MVP every single year. But it didn't happen because if one guy had a really good year, that even if it was even with them, they're waiting to give it to him. If Wentz can lead the Eagles for the number one seed in the NFC, keep up the pace that he is with, you know, low interceptions, high touchdown rate, get around 35, 40 touchdowns for the year, around 10 to 12 interceptions only, add another 100 yards rushing or two. I think it's going to be him just because people are like, Brady's gotten it before. Let's give it to Wentz. Let's get the young guy, people excited about these young players coming up. Uh, if I had to go with one, I would say we also should go with one non-quarterback option because it will probably not happen. We're still going to throw it out there. And my guess would be we might both agree that Le'Veon Bell might be a good choice there. He catches around 400-something yards, I think, right now, and he's got over 800 leads the league in rushing. Yeah, the fact that the 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 Steelers are, you know, actually – yeah, only have two losses, I believe, right now, and are winning that conference when Ben Roethlisberger looks like a shell of himself. Yep. Um, I'm uh, I'm actually very impressed with Bell. I mean, he actually had a pretty slow start to the season, which is the only reason why it would kind of hamper his ability to, you know, have that award. 
Um, no, but sense. man, I am yeah. really impressed with them. The only other person that I could honestly say is, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster looks like the new wide receiver that <laughs> is legitimately going to have a really good career. I mean, if they um, can get so for think... best celebrations, Juju wins. He's having a great year. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, but it, it's it's pretty unlikely that. Um, you know, anyone other than Brady or Wentz is going to win this. I think no, it's going to be Brady. League. You know, I, I think that especially, um, you know, the only thing that can kind of hurt him a little bit is that the AFC is pretty weak. Yeah. I That's mean, you got – yeah, I guess it's Pittsburgh and uh, Kansas City are really the only competition at the moment, you could say. Yeah. Especially now that Deshaun's gone out of the AFC South. Jacksonville's – I mean, what I want to see Brady versus Jacksonville's defense, Yeah. That would be interesting to see how that goes because their defense is pretty good this year. Pretty good. Right. Um, um, all right. Uh, the only other award we could probably talk about, Defensive Player of the Year. And I don't know how much you pay attention to key defensive players. Uh, you know, a good amount. Enough to know that Calais Campbell is going to win the award. <laughs> oh, all right. See, you. I, I thought about Calais Campbell, but I want to hear your argument for him to an extent at least, from what you know, from what you've seen of Calais? Um, I've actually seen more Jaguars games this year than I care to actually talk about. Wow. For some reason, they're always on, partially because of the London thing. No, I mean, you know, the Jaguars are Saxonville. Everybody knows that. I, you know that I'm, I'm a huge sucker for catchy names. Um, Calais Campbell is the anchor uh, to, that, to that defense. They could rush four and still get tons of pressure on the quarterback. Um, they're clearly not, they're clearly not, uh, you know, relying on Blake Bortles to get them anywhere. Uh, and they're in the league in that division for the first time in God knows how long. Um, they actually look like a competent team and that pretty much all stems from the defense and that all stems from their ability to get pressure on the quarterback every single week ever for every team, you know, you have these talking heads at their show and what they, what every single one of them says is you need to get pressure on the quarterback. You need to get pressure on the quarterback. What's the one way to beat Tom Brady? Get pressure on him. What's one way to beat Aaron Rodgers? Get pressure on him. What's one way to beat Carson Wentz? Get pressure on him. Every single time, it's get pressure on him. Well, the Jaguars have someone who can get pressure on people. Yeah, they have a superstar at that position. Uh, And, you know, it usually will end up going to those guys. It's never going to go to a safety. It's never going to go to a cornerback. It might go to a linebacker who can also get pressure. Um, And this year, it's going to end up being the best player on one of the best defenses, and that's Calais Campbell. Yeah, I mean, unless – you're right. Unless a cornerback has, like – 12 interceptions, like three of them returned for a touchdown, like a sack, a good amount of tackles. It'll never be a cornerback. I mean, what? I don't even know who the last one would have been. Woodson, maybe one of somebody like that may have been the last option ever. But I almost went with Calais Campbell, but then I thought about it and I watched Thursday Night Football and I went, nope, it's going to be uh, my boy Luke Keekley. Because mainly, if he can stay healthy the rest of the year, rest of the year, no more concussions, no more missed games. None of that. He will have monster numbers still for tackles. He's up to 72 or 71 right now. Plus, he also has three interceptions. Now, this can't go understated enough. For a linebacker to have three interceptions, be the middle linebacker, the key cognitive piece in that defense calling all the plays, that's impressive. He had one Thursday night where, I mean, yeah, it was against Jay Cutler. Uh, Everybody gets a pick off Jay Cutler. But still, he was one of the people that got one. And – the fact that he, you know, missed a game, still leads his team in tackles. If he can throw in another interception or two and get a sack or two on the season, 
because linebackers don't get sacks often, especially middle linebackers. But if he can do that, I think he walks away with it because unlike the MVP where they're like, let's throw somebody new out there if they're, you know, competitive enough, defensive player of the year tends to go to that guy that the name, like you saw it with J.J. Watt uh, getting it like three out of four years. The hot name a year ago was Cleo Mack. So people were like, look for him. And I think uh, this year with Watt gone, Mack not having a great year. Nobody outside of Campbell is really standing out. And Lawrence on the Cowboys. I think uh, Luke Luke may have a chance. I think he has a dark horse chance, but that's what I'm going with. Not a bad pick, but I also don't think that the Carolina defense defense uh, the Carolina defense is good enough, uh, or the team in general is good enough for that to, for that to make like a difference there. I don't. I, I just don't think that Keekly. I think that's like you know it's more of a boring pick, and I don't know if the sports writers are going to go for it necessarily, especially when you have uh, you know a defense that's actually carrying a team from you know uh, from irrelevance to relevance and that that's where my my pick comes into play i mean i get it but panthers defense hasn't been awful this year they've had some no, decent games fine. and fine. uh think about how cam's been playing it's not like he's been lights out except against miami and the patriots so defense has had to carry it they're seven and three yeah uh okay let's go into most surprising teams from this first half of the season who are you most shocked by uh going into week 11 uh you know, I'm actually most shocked by, you know, I could say the Eagles because it's an easy choice because nobody saw this coming. I could say Jacksonville because, like you said, their defense. I'm going to go with Minnesota. I did not see Minnesota being a 7-2 and two team, most of that behind the arm of Casey Keenum. I mean, you have these two wide receivers in Diggs and Thielen. They're still young, but they're one of the most dynamic duos in the league, putting up huge yardage. Uh, I think Thielen had over 160 yards this past week. Granted, Keenum had like 220 yards, so most of that went to him. But still, I mean, Casey Keenum was a backup for backups, and he's led this team to a pretty good start. They lost Dalvin Cook, you know, so the running game isn't as good as what it could be. Their passing game isn't super strong, but between their somewhat decent offense that can at least get up in the teens and their defense – playing pretty stout. I'm pretty shocked by what Minnesota's done, especially that after Rodgers went down, a lot of people I think thought Detroit might have a clear shot to kind of, you know, have an opportunity this year to take that division. Minnesota hasn't let them at all. So I'm going to give it to Minnesota. It's most shocking right now. Yeah, it is pretty shocking. It's, uh, and it's not it a bad pick at all. I'm, I'm, uh, we knew that they were going to be good, but I don't think that we kind of understood like what was going to happen to them and if they could keep holding on and, you know, again, with the Packers out, that conference kind of theirs for the losing unless Detroit really does something, but I'm unmoved by Detroit. most shocking is the Saints. Because um, I, I did not see that coming. You know, no. the, the, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Bucks look like better bets for that division coming into the game. But more shocking than just, uh, than just the Saints' record to me is how they're doing it. So the first thing that is, that's really impressive to me is their run game run game this year. Mark Ingram has been huge. Drew Brees has been running in touchdowns. Uh, I actually have Brees on my fantasy team, and they st- they're they scoring lots of points without Brees scoring lots of fantasy points. It's because it's all running, uh, the running game right now. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing that is surprising to me is their defense. So the Saints defense is tied with the Vikings 
for the fourth best in the league if you're looking at uh, uh, points against. The only defenses that are ahead of the Saints' defense in terms of points scored against them are the Steelers, uh, the Jaguars, and uh, not even your Eagles, uh, the Rams. Well, it's because of my so Eagles that the, the Broncos are out of that now. <laughs> right. So they're tied with the Seahawks, Vikings, um, you know, Steelers. These are uh, Jaguars. These are real defenses that the Saints are hanging with. These are, this yeah. is a top five defense in the league with one of the top running games in the league. Uh, and if you told me that when the season started, I would have called you fucking crazy because there's no way that the Saints are, are winning the division with a really great run game and a stout defense. That's just not happening. No. And, you know, uh, honorable mention, I think, probably has to go to L.A. Rams. A lot of NFC teams surprising Dude. this year. Yeah, I that's mean, actually a really good that's, – that's a really good one for most shocking as well. Yeah, I mean, Todd Gurley has bounced back. He had a rough year last year. He has come back strong. Jarrett Goff, after one year, people thought he was a bust after seeing him in like six games. Uh, they now have the youngest coach in the NFL at 31, and people are like, okay, it's going to take him a few years to, you know, kind of rein that in and get used to being the head coach, get the guys respect. Nope, it took about an offseason. That's all it took. This team has been high and flying, putting up big points. And, uh, I mean, they absolutely torched the Giants last week. I mean, they made some plays that were just ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely say they're honorable mention because their defense also isn't looking that bad. I'm getting uh, pretty excited for these playoffs, at least on the NFC side. AFC side is going to be boring as usual. Uh, okay, surprises out of the way. Who is a team that's most disappointed you this year? Hmm. You know, usually at this time of the year, I have to say the Eagles, but luckily I don't. Um, let's see. Most disappointing. I mean, Tampa Bay had such high hopes. Uh, Denver, you could look at three and six also. I'm going to go with the Giants, though. I mean, I hate the Giants. I'm really happy to see them losing. But they're one and eight. Like, you just lost to San Francisco, and you didn't just lose to San Francisco. You got annihilated by San Francisco and CJ Bathard. And I don't know, did you see the video of the fan that got tossed onto the field by security? Yes. Yeah. Um, my brother in law is friends with that guy. And uh, a little inside source here they're in some big trouble. Uh, they're not allowed to talk about what's going on, but they're in huge trouble and are facing felony charges potentially. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. So uh, Giants aren't only just, you know, losing on the field. They're losing in the stands. Uh, it's not looking good. But, yeah, McAdoo's been a mess. Benny with the bad hair. I mean, that slick back look, he looks like a used car salesman. Uh, Eli, they're now questioning what's going to happen with his future, which a year ago nobody – that wasn't even a blip on the radar – uh, what's going to happen when OBJ comes back? Is he going to be the same? Is he going to be like kind of a whiny diva because he wants to get paid? What's going on with that defense he spent millions on? I mean, there are so many questions now and so much chaos in that locker room coming out of it anonymously. You got to be disappointed with what you're seeing. And I think they need to just clean house, get rid of McAdoo, get rid of Reese, get rid of whatever they have to do. I think all you do is you keep the team, but you need to bring in a whole new regime into that from top to bottom because they got rid of Coughlin, but they basically kept the rest of the staff when they hired McAdoo because he was an assistant. So you really did nothing to change the whole philosophy and system. And I think it's finally caught up to them. 
Yeah, I agree. Bad team. Um, I'm actually not disappointed in them at all because I really take a lot of joy in uh, <laughs> in the Giants failing. I actually listened to New York radio freak out about the Giants last week. I uh, listened to Mike Frances- uh, Francesa. I just couldn't help myself. I was I was drinking in the tears while the Patriots were blowing out the Broncos for a win. So not disappointed at all in that. Does that have anything uh, to do with them ruining a perfect season of a certain team years ago? Nope. Um, My next, um, my most disappointing team uh, is the Raiders. Uh, I think that this happens every single year in the new NFL now, which is, which is just like the parody bug gets into a team. You know, you have a team that's, that everyone pencils in as, as the best team or one of the best teams in the AFC. Everyone's thinking they're going to make the leap. Derek Carr had a great year last year, MVP consideration. Um, they had all these people. They're bringing in Marshawn Lynch. I mean, this is really a ton of buzz going into it. Uh, Carr gets hurt early, and he's back now. Uh, this high-flying offense, you know, can't seem to score. Um, you know, they're comparable points uh, for, or the comparable points they've scored. They've scored around the same amount of points as the Titans. You know, uh, at, you know a little bit less than the Redskins. Um, you know. The, the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Um, they're right in line uh, with the, the Falcons from this year who have been shut out from a few games. Uh, so it's it's not good for the um, – you know, it, everyone was talking about how sad it was going to be that Oakland's losing this team to Las Vegas because of how, how good they are right now. Um, but I think it's a little bit premature to call them to, to call them good. They're, they're definitely out this season, it looks like. That they kind of have going for them is that this division is not super super competitive. I mean, you have the Chiefs, and then since it is the AFC, you know, you have a chance to potentially sneak into the playoffs somehow. You know, they have to uh, playoff teams. You know, they have to produce six. Yeah. So they have to get to six somehow. So the Raiders might be in there, but uh, right, I'm right disappointed. Now, number eight, number eight at least in the playoff standing. So they really just got to leapfrog Baltimore and Buffalo and. That's not looking like it might be too hard this year. It might not be crazy hard, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, they should be much better than this. We shouldn't be talking about them having to leapfrog Buffalo and Baltimore to get to a 500 record to try to squeak into the playoffs. It's true. We should be talking to them as the cream of the AFC. You know, uh, they they should be the high flying kind of bad boy Raiders that we thought they were going to be going in the season. They're just like impotent. And I, yeah. uh, I'm disappointed in the Raiders. Disappointed in you, Oakland. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean. What their wide receiving core should have been one of the top ones. They should be a part of that dynamic duo, and they've just been blips, I feel like. Yeah, agreed. It makes sense. Um, okay, anything else that you're looking forward to uh, going forward for the home stretch of the season? Uh, looking forward to, I mean, obviously I'm looking forward to watching the Eagles, see what they can do. I'm looking forward to just see what type of chaos ensues in that wild card spot, because I feel like, at least on the AFC side, you really can't count out anybody with range-wise. Looking at Buffalo, who's five and four, you could look at them all the way on to, I would say Denver, who's number fourteen in the AFC, who's three and six, vying all for that last spot, which could make it interesting down the stretch. I'm counting out Indianapolis and Cleveland. You know why? I mean, you're just terrible teams. Yeah. Um, and then you can't count out right now uh, the Dolphins. Uh, you know, the Jets are in spitting distance. Uh, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, uh, the Ravens, the Bengals, uh, the Texans. Uh, the Colts probably obviously got to count them out. 
But all those teams are within spitting distance of yeah. a playoff spot, which is fucking crazy because all it those is. teams are garbage. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the AFC side, it's a little more normal when you think about it. Seattle's six and three in the wild card spot. So again, the NFC is the stronger division. It's more exciting. The AFC, I don't know what the AFC to put it in perspective is the Eastern conference of the NFL. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, it's the weaker conference, the better, pl- which is surprising because a lot of good players reside in the AFC. Yeah. You have but, the best, you have the best, uh, you have the best team in there, which looks kind of flawed, but it has the best player in the world. So like they might be okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of good parallels actually. Yeah. It's a lot of weird uh, things going on, but you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the AFC wildcard chase basically for the second half of the season. I mean, you got weird things going on in Buffalo. They're benching Tyrod Taylor now for a rookie quarterback. Um, I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on that. I think it's odd. I get it. He had a shitty game. I think it's fucking confusing. I have no idea what the do. I have no idea what they're doing in Buffalo, but they're giving up more points than they have right now this season. I realize that that's not a huge indicative of the way they are. They can't play on the road. Um, but that's not know, the that's, quarterback's fault that they're giving up points. That's the defense. Oh, exactly. And it's the same. It's the same exact thing where you couldn't like they're, they're, he's getting benched after a bad performance last week. But the bad performance last week was getting up 300 rushing yards to the Saints. Yeah. Like they gave up 300 rushing yards and like five touchdowns. Like that's not that's not the Bills' problem. That's no. That's, you know, a, that's not the, that's Ty, Tyron Taylor's problem. That's a defense problem. No, yeah, uh, that is uh, that has nothing to do with Tyrod. I get it. He had nine completed passes for under sixty yards, but you know what? Guys like Tyrod have that type of game once in a while. You've stuck with him through it before. He doesn't turn the ball over much. Uh, now the thing is, what happens now if this rookie absolutely bombs and like turns it all over a bunch of times? Do you put Tyrod in? What happens now? Because I feel like he kind of stabbed him in the back, and he may not, you know, play up to the level he can. Yeah, I mean, I, I read something online today that maybe the main reason they're doing it is because uh, the way that his, uh, the, the way that Taylor's deal is structured is, uh, you know, they can free up a ton of cap space if he's not on the roster next year. But if he is on the roster, they take a huge cap hit. Yeah, so maybe the kind of right thing on. is like, hey, they're kind of trying to phase him out and see what they have in the rookie. But this is not the time to do that. Buffalo no. has not been in the playoffs for God knows how long. I don't know the exact amount of time. It's the 90s, um, I think. But they actually, they actually have a playoff spot. So why would you give that up just because you don't know what to do with your quarterback, especially just because you had one bad game? And like what free agent quarterback is going to want to play for the Bills if you get benched after one bad game when you have a fucking winning record and you're, making, you're, you're in line for a playoff spot? Yeah, like, I don't sense. get this decision at all, especially because the coach came out um, you know, over the weekend and said that we're not benching him. And then all of a sudden, like you know, a few days later, they're benching him for a fifth-round rookie. What Not even that. Heard of? The coach came out and said, "This was a decision I made on my own, consulted nobody else." Yeah, and just was like, "I'm cool. starting the rookie, so uh, I don't care what you say." Yeah, I made the de- I made the decision on my own as well. Um, you know, to go grow, to stop, to stop mop after work and pick something up for my for my girlfriend. Yeah, like you most know, on the way home. I made that decision record. myself. Yeah. That was my decision. He has a winning record right now. Like, is he trying to get fired? I don't know. It's Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo's weird. They got a bunch of draft picks. I get they're planning for the future. But you're winning now. You have a chance now to make the playoffs. And once the playoffs hit, anything can happen. So The only way this can be funny or endearing or anything at all um, would be if he actually does really well and that just gives us more fire or, or more fodder <laughs> to put on the whole, you know, I can't believe that Cleveland didn't take this guy at quarterback. That's true. That's another good point. And then we can look at McDermott and be like, 
But then we also can look at McDermott and be like, hey, why didn't you pull Tyrod sooner? I mean, you had this star underneath your uh, umbrella the whole time and you didn't let him on the field. Like, what's wrong with you? So it could go fun in a lot of different ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Do you want to move on to the NBA? There is one more thing I want to say about the NFL, and it's not even that much to say. It's an idea I have, and I want to hear your thoughts. And if it's good, I think we should put money behind this and get going. Shoot. Zeke Elliott dropped his suspension. He's now not going to even try to fight it. He's taken a six-game suspension, finally. Should have done it at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. What I think is the most interesting thing, he has traveled across the across the ocean. He's gone to Europe to train and clear his mind while the suspension is taking place. I think if HBO or the NFL Network does not follow him, make a documentary or a TV show about this, then we should throw the money behind it. I think this is a goldmine waiting to happen, and it could be called Zeke Feasts on the World or something like that, something corny, something cheesy, something people can get behind. Yeah. um, I don't like your enthusiasm. For me, this is trending into icky icky reasons why i don't want to support anything that Ezekiel Elliott does <laughs> i understand why it's not a great idea but, but I, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm in i think we can make big money in texas that's basically where i'm trying to go with this we need I'm to, down get- to make money but i, I to uh to condone anything that Zeke Elliott says or does one new headquarters james and a salary <laughs> this is how we do it uh, that's not bad, but I also want my soul and you know my conscience. So besides all that, this business if you want to succeed. Okay, fine. You know it was a pipe uh, Okay, let's talk it. about <laughs> let's talk about the NBA a little bit. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, I don't think that we've actually talked about it since our preview. We talked uh, about it the if first we have, it's very brief. brief. Yeah, it was very brief. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So this has been a really really fun season. Um. I've been I've been really thoroughly enjoying it, obviously for for pretty obvious reasons. Obviously. Um, so I think that what I wanted to do for the NBA was to kind of go, you know, take a look at the at the top eight teams in the East and the top eight teams in the West. And for each conference, I think that we should give who we think is for real, and you could take that any way you want, whether it's living up to their the record we have right now, um, you know, uh, maybe they're for real in the sense that they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not as good as they should, or they're, being, they're outperforming. Maybe you can make that as a, as a compliment, like, oh, maybe they're for real in the sense that they actually are going to be better. Yep. Um, and then someone who is not for real, someone who is probably just kind of outperforming what they're supposed to be doing, and they're going to come crashing down to earth at some point for uh, another team. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm going to let you take the lead. You are our NBA connoisseurs. So this is this is your child. This is your baby. Uh, I will cool. follow your lead. All right. I think, okay, for real, I think that I'm going to go with uh, the Detroit Pistons. I think that this team actually is for real. Uh, I think that the couple of the acquisitions they made uh, over the offseason, especially Avery Bradley, who we spent, I spent a lot of time watching here in Boston, um, is a very real thing. Their defense is a lot better, uh, but specifically Andre Drummond can shoot uh, can shoot free throws again, yeah. um, or can shoot free throws now for the first time in his career. He's up around seventy some odd percent, which is a huge, huge improvement from like the thirty somethings that he had beforehand. So do you remember those like 
late two thousand nine, uh, late two thousands Magic teams that made the finals with Dwight Howard, yep, and Stan Van Gundy. So they basically put Dwight Howard in the middle and then stuck him with a shit ton of shooters around him, all long, rangy shooters that could kind of switch on defense. And they had Dwight Howard in the middle. That's exactly what Stan Van Gundy just built in Detroit. Yep. They put they put uh, Andre Drummond in the middle and then stuck him with a bunch of shooters and and rangy wing players who can uh, you know you know create. Um, so I don't think that they're going to be the second seed in the Eastern Conference by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I do think that they're for real, though. I think that this team could make the playoffs, especially when you're looking at some of the other teams here, uh, you know, that are sneaking into the play the, the playoffs right the playoff picture right now. Uh, I think a few of them are going to get knocked off pretty quickly. So I'm going to go with the Pistons are for real. All right, my for real team. If are we doing Eastern Conference first, or we can just do for real one one for real each and one uh, one not for real each. All right, I was going to say because. Eastern Conference, Detroit would have been my pick. Uh, like Boston, we expect them to be there. We've talked about it in our preview. Uh, but for real, for me, I'm going with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, mm. they are looking good. They're 8-5 and five in the Western Conference. They're currently the four seed. But just in general, they're a young group that finally, I feel like, has started to kind of come together. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler starting to now understand that I need to take more of on of an offensive role. He came out a few days ago saying, I'm going to do a lot more that way. He was in control of the ball the other night. looked pretty good doing it. And I think, you know, yeah, their wins aren't against over the, you know, huge teams. They lost to the Pistons. They lost to the Pacers. But, you know, they beat the Thunder, who I think at some point will figure it all out and get into a higher seed in the playoffs. But in general, they're at least every game is competitive. They've blown out teams that they should blow out. Yeah, they uh, lost to the Suns, but, you know, everybody's going to have those bad games. Overall, though, I think the Timberwolves, I think, stay around a four to through six type range. And I think it's going to be some fun to watch that young group start to get better and better as the season goes on, develop more chemistry, and they could be a team that causes some havoc in the playoffs when they eventually make it. True. Um, All right, cool. For my not for real... um, I'm going to go with uh, – I, I don't know if – I can't remember if I picked this team to actually make the playoffs or not, but I, 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 don't, I don't believe in them yet, and uh, I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I'm going to go not for real there. Now, there's a couple things that are working against me here. One is that uh, Boogie Cousins is playing at an all-time uh, – at an MVP-type level. He's legitimately playing out of his fucking mind right now. Yep. Uh, it's actually pretty crazy. Um, the second reason is that they have Anthony Davis, who as little as a year or two ago was being talked about as the, the transformational talent of his generation. So they can right now run a Davis-Cousins pick and roll. Cousins can pop out and take a three. Uh, Davis is rangy and can play you know, forward or center um, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and then the last reason why it's working against me is that they have Rajon Rondo at guard. Uh, who uh, still has my heart. Uh, and he hasn't even played Let me yet, tell you the reasons why I don't believe uh, in the New Orleans Pelicans real quick. <laughs> Other players on their team, not named Cousins and Anthony Davis, are named things like Inca uh, and Czech Diallo and Charles Cook uh, and Frank Jackson, Jalen Jones. Um, Etwan Moore, who had a cup of coffee with the Celtics when he first came into the league. Uh, Ian Clark, 
Tony Allen now. Uh, Omar Sheik is still alive in the league. Wait, he's still on the Pelicans? Uh, still on the Pelicans, yep. Oh. Jameer Nelson uh, is also still alive, and he's also on the Pelicans. And here I thought he died in Denver. Uh, and then Drew Holiday is their starting point guard, who is basically like the like the quintessential meh point guard. Yeah. All those things to me are working against this team. They need to fill this fucking team. They've got Anthony Davis and they've got uh, and they've got Boogie Cousins. All they need to do is just get as many three-point shooters and, and wing players as they possibly can to fill out that uh, that roster. And they just have garbage, like straight yep. garbage. Yeah, um, I think Cousins is one of the better three-point shooters on the team. He, he honestly is. And the teams that are that are kind of uh, staring up at the Pelicans that you know you know could make some noise. Um, the Thunder are still down there. The Clippers, uh, you know, ha- got off to a good start. And now I've lost six in a row, which is pretty tough. But they could they could make some noise. Um, the Trailblazers could make some moves coming up. Um, you know, even the Jazz are, aren't horrible. Um, you know, they could they can hold their own if they can find shooters. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that if there's one team that's going to get knocked off, off of there, you know, you could you could talk me to the Grizzlies. Um, but I think that the Pelicans, I'm not totally bought in yet on, on that combination, that Davis and Boogie combination. It was so bad last year. I can't, I can't help myself. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's weird looking at – I know it's only like one-sixth through the season so far, but it's weird looking at the different teams that are in the playoff – Right now, if they start today, I mean, you have Portland, Memphis, Denver, New Orleans, Minnesota as your four through eight seed and get teams like Oklahoma City and the Clippers are on the outside looking in. It's just weird. But my team that is not for real, uh, you know, we're doing this reverse thing where you first go Eastern, I go Western, then you go Western, then I go Eastern. Team that is not for real that's currently in the playoffs, top eight, New York Knicks. Now, I know yeah. everybody wants to in New York wants to be like, the Knicks are back. The Knicks are doing this. They're going to make the playoffs. It's going to be great. Porzingis is a unicorn sent from Europe to save us, and he's going to save the day. Fantastic. Porzingis is great. I'm not going to argue that with you at all. He's a fantastic player. You're going to build around him for years. It's going to be you know good down the line. It's not going to be good right now. Why do you ask, James? I'm glad you asked without even saying a word. Because they have guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., who are supposed to be making a lot of money, making tons of money. He's supposed to be the be the big point getter. In the past few games, he has looked really good. I'm not gonna lie; he has been putting up numbers. He has been looking pretty, uh, you know, uh, solid so far. But then you gotta remember again: he's Tim Hardaway Jr. You have Enos Cantor. You still have Joakim Noah on your team. Like he just got reactivated. So. I mean, I don't even think I need to continue when I just state those three names. Cantor can't play defense. Noah can't play anything. I don't even get how he's still in the league. And then you got the young rookie from France, the point guard, Frank or whatever, uh, that got into a scuffle with LeBron the other night. Frank Smokes. Yeah. And then got like Cantor involved with LeBron. And then that was actually really fun to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed that little beef. Um, Definitely. But just in general, the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks are going to do what the Knicks do. They're going to lose. They're not going to, you know, be able to play up to a top eight team in the East level. And for that reason, and that reason alone, outside of Porzingis, everybody else is going to slowly decrease in uh, how talented they are, I think, throughout the season. 
unless there's some yeah. major injuries in the East of key players that somehow keep them relevant. Knicks aren't for real. Yeah. So looking at the play- the teams that aren't making the playoffs right now in the East, uh, Cavaliers obviously are going to make the playoffs. Yep. Uh, and then maybe the Hornets can make the playoffs. I think they have the talent there to make the playoffs, but they, yeah. you know, they, without the record. But if that's the case, then one of these four teams is making the playoffs that didn't make it from last year, and that's the Pistons, the Magic, the Knicks, or the Sixers. If things stand as they are today, and we don't have any sort of crazy, um, you know, uh, uh, shot from you know he, the heat of the Pacers. Yeah. But if if the Cavaliers and then potentially the Hornets make it in the playoffs, like we kind of think that they will. Then one of these, then two of these four teams are going to make it in the playoffs. And that's the Pistons, the Knicks, the 76ers, and the Magic. And you could talk me into any of the Magic, Knicks, or 76ers as being not for real. Because I think they all have holes in their game. I'm not yeah. totally convinced about any of them right Outside now. Outside of uh, Simmons and Embiid, the Sixers don't have much offense to look at. Right. Uh, you got what I said about Newark. Orlando is the one team I think actually out of those three, if I had to choose, I would go with Orlando just because I think overall they have the best evened out squad with Gordon at the power forward, uh, Fournier, for, I don't however you say his name. Fournier, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't – is their center Vucevic? Yeah. Okay, because I know there's like a bunch of guys with similar last names that are all – Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Like that. Alfred Payton's not doing terrible. So, I mean, overall, their squad's pretty good and slightly above average, I would say, especially when you look at the other ones. And what yeah, in my estimation, it's like the Magic have the most well-rounded squad. The Knicks have probably the highest uh, the highest ceiling player on their squad, but the worst team. Yep. And the 76ers overall as a team have the most potential, but maybe just not their year. That's yeah. kind of so. That's be, that'd be the case for all three of those teams, one way or the other. And I probably would side with you in terms of the Sixers, the Knicks, excuse me, not being. But you know, if push comes to shove, I probably would also say the Sixers, be just because Chris Stapps is performing at such a level right now uh, that I think it's pretty hard to yeah um, take those minute restrictions off Joel Embiid, and he is gonna if he stays healthy, he's gonna be a monster. Maybe, yeah, definitely. I mean, it seems to be seems like he could be. I, I actually think that Simmons is the more impressive prospect so far this season than Embiid is. But the real question is, yeah, how legit and how real is your Boston Celtic and this run that they've been on, basically ever since Kyrie said "suck my dick." Well, the real the, no, the real question, Greg, is is uh, how how big is my big old green boner right now? Uh, uh, I can see it poking up into the screen, and the screen's at least a few inches from your waist. Yeah, I'm. I was trying to avoid talking about them because, um, yeah, I, I, I am in no way a rational, a rational uh, thinker when it comes to the Celtics team. That's why uh, we have a podcast, James, for you to be irrational about your love. The Celtics team is unbelievable. The Celtics team is literally, um, you know, the best Celtics team we've had in years. Last year's Celtics team was a really great overachieving. They're like the Raptors from a couple years ago. Remember when the Raptors randomly got the number one seed? Yeah, man. And they had a bunch conference. of like B to B. They had a bunch of like B to B plus players, and then they rounded it out with some decent veterans, and and then they just promptly got smoked in the playoffs. Yeah, that was kind of like our Celtics team last year. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of like our Celtics team last year, where it was like, oh yeah, they have a bunch of. Remember when we talked about A B A level stars, B level stars, C level stars, D level stars? Yeah. They had a B level star in Isaiah, and then a bunch of serviceable veterans who overperformed under a really good coach. That's what I would say about the Celtics last year. Now. 
They have three legitimate blue chippers playing right now. Even if two of them are really young in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, three legitimate blue chippers playing right now. Um, With a veteran in Al Horford who is a B-plus at every single aspect of the game. Except Uh, for when foul shots are taken and they hit off the rim. He flinches way too much. I don't care about that, man. He's he's earning every single dollar that he's got, being paid. I gotta knock it down somewhere, right? I gotta get they you trying to level head. They have the best defense in the league, and they're a top five rebounding team, and they have one of the best, a few of the best offensive threats out there. Yeah, who would have thought Kyrie would be on the top defensive team ever? I, when he tries, he gives a shit. He's playing under a good coach and a good system, and he gives a shit. He didn't give a shit under LeBron. I wouldn't either. LeBron's kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> have you met LeBron? No, but everything that I've heard, I mean, I'm sure he's fine. I'm I'm all in on this Celtics team. I think they're going to beat the Warriors tomorrow. I really do. Hey, I'd be glad if they do. I hate the Warriors more than I hate the Celtics. So, yeah, I think that that's going to happen. Um, I think that they I think that they have a legitimate shot at winning uh, at winning the East or at the very least going to Eastern Conference Finals. And then there is like kind of like rumblings right now about uh, about you know Hayward. There's no timetable on him or anything like that, but they 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 are kind of like showing him a little bit, being like, oh, don't forget about him, don't forget about him. He can sit um, in chair and shoot shots. Yeah, you know, there's there's lots of there's lots of talk about like a clean break, and then what would that mean if he was able to kind of like come back and limit in a limited role, like a, like imagine if we had Gordon Hayward coming off of the bench for 20 minutes a game, you know, towards the end of the season or in the playoffs. Not even that. Imagine him for 10 to 15 minutes just in the playoffs. Just That'd be huge. To, That'd be unbelievable. Basically, put him in for the final three minutes of every quarter, type thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and and go against some of the scrubs off of these championship benches that have been decimated to make room for the star players. Yeah. I think that the Celtics team is in a great position, not just for this year, but for years to come. I think that they're the real deal. I think they're very much the real deal, and I'm very excited for the game tomorrow. Yeah, I, I can understand. I. I will not contact you at all during that game until it is over. And if the Celtics win only, because then I will get your reaction. Because I love the one that you gave me last week when I asked you, even though we didn't record, what your thoughts on the Celtics were. You sent me that weird, weird video. Yeah. But it was fantastic. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. All right, man. I think that's it for this week. Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, We did want to say, I'm going to give you five options. Kyrie's wearing the mask right now because he got – you oh, know, yep. Knocked in the face. I'm going to give you five guys that have worn masks in their NBA career at some point, whether they wear it now, whether they don't wear it at all anymore. Just it was literally for a day. You have to give me in order who you think was the best to worst out of those five. Shoot. It's a good list, James. It's a solid list. It's going to be a hard list to put in an order of any sort. Give me the list, Greg. All right. Here's the list, James. We're going to start with Kyrie because we just mentioned him. So Kyrie's on there. Uh, last year, I believe Russell Westbrook got knocked in the face, had a dent in his face. He wore a mask. Uh, then in a few years before that, you had LeBron with the black mask, trying to be different and all LeBron-like. Kobe rocking the mask. And then you had the OG, the original mask maker in Rip Hamilton. Who out of those five that you can think of, in what order, best mask player of all time? So uh, number five, I'm going to go Westbrook, not because of the talent, but just because of the, there was no mystique with the mask, you know, um, he didn't overperform with the mask on, he looked like an uh, it didn't turn into any sort of meme or anything like that. Uh, and he's much, he's, he's much more well known for non-masking. <laughs> um, 
number four, I'm going to go Kobe. Um, just because I don't think he wore it during any of his championship runs. He wore it during those years the Lakers were shitty. Okay. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, he's gonna, to he's gonna get points docked for that one. Uh, number three, I'm going to go LeBron. Because um, I think that he's just kind of uh, – just out of sheer talent alone, we have to go number three, LeBron. I can feel the home uh, runs I'm coming. Number two, I'm going to go with uh, Kyrie because his, his mask wearing kind of became like a meme. Um, he scored 41 with the mask. He had the dark mask. He had the light mask. Last night he had 25 coming back. Um, he also was very good with the mask in terms of theatrics. Like every single play, um, when, he, you know, when, he shoot, when, when he gets fouled hard, he rips the mask off angrily. Uh, when he comes out of the game, he throws the mask down. He hates the mask, but he's good with the mask. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, uh, I'm going to go with Rip Hamilton because he was associated with the mask. The mask is Rip. Rip is the mask. That's true. You can't you can't separate them uh, except for those early years. But we don't we don't really talk about that anymore. You can't really separate them. Um, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about UConn, Rip Hamilton. I'm talking about Detroit basketball. He went to uh, NBA Finals with that mask. Exactly. Uh, you gotta you gotta respect the man who wins the NBA Finals in a mask. So I'm going Rip. Rip Hamilton uh, as my number one mask wearer in the NBA. You know, this is why I come to you with these hard questions. You're the one to ask when it comes to mask wearing in the NBA. Who do I go to? James, because you're the only one that can answer these hard questions. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there might be a little bit of homerism with putting Irving at number two. I thought nope. about it, but you're, you're, no, you know, you made the arguments. I thought about the argument you made. It's a valid argument. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to even rank because I don't know shit about mask wearing like you do. And I'm going to have to trust everything you just said about it. And no matter what, I would put Rip at number one also. Very good. All right, man. This is a good, that's a good note to end on. We're going to get out of here. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out on all the social media, whatnot. And we'll be back uh, sometime in the next week. Yeah, check us out next week. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Next week, we might even touch on who's the greatest athlete of all time among all four major sports. That's how you do a teaser, James. That's how you do a teaser. Wow. Very good. All right. Bye, guys. See ya. The Sports Sports Dance. Dance.